And then so as as I continued to um, deepen my relationships with folks in my in my church circle, um, I, I was able to start meeting people um, that maybe professionally were not anywhere near close to what I was doing, but spiritually and, and the whole of who they were as a person was much farther along than me. And I was able to start surrounding myself with people like that. And, and that continued to manifest into better and better relationships. And then me getting more comfortable with just failure or my shortcomings, being able to be open with that, and then reaching out to people that I maybe didn't know, but liked what they were saying or heard that they were good people to meet and would just put myself out there and say, hey, like, I've heard great things about you. I'd love to meet you. Can I take you to coffee? Can I buy you lunch? I want to learn more about you and, you know, just kind of kind of go from there. And I've done that. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am excited today. I have Jason Pearl with me. I love, you know, ask everybody. Um, sometimes I'll have a pre-call with people. Other times I won't. Um, sometimes I remember the context or content of the pre-call. Other times I don't. And so uh, as you probably have, have learned by now, this podcast is really free flowing. There are very few, actually just one kind of preloaded question uh, to, to start it off. Uh, and so sometimes they don't even know how to introduce people. And so uh, I was asking Jason, how do I, how do you want me to be, or how do you want to be introduced? And um, he shared a lot of different things with me. But one of the things that I loved was he said, I'm a faith and family first guy. And you know, uh, you listening to this podcast that that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, my faith in Jesus is the uh, the first and foremost in my life. It wasn't always that way. Uh, but uh, 2006 changed that for me. And uh, about that same time, family became the second most important thing in my life. I would have said it was previously, but I didn't always live that way. And so I love Love that that was the way he started it. In addition to that, uh, we were learning just as we were talking. We do very similar things. He's a consultant to small to medium-sized business. He's a coach. He has a podcast as well. Uh, so we'll dig into all of that, I'm sure, at some point. But for now, what up, Jason? Thanks, man, for hey, being man, here Thanks today. for having me. Super yeah. pumped to be here. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, okay, so let's dig right in. I, I, I've yep. been asking all the guys uh, during this second season uh, this one question or some version of this question. So uh, you may or may not have heard it, but uh, for you, how do you define manhood and or masculinity? Yeah, I've, uh, that's a great question. And I did listen to a few of your other podcasts, and I love that question because everyone has their own thought. And yeah. uh, for me, being a man, um, much like you, I'm, I, I identify as a Christ follower. So when, when somebody asked me, what is it to be a man and, and being a man is being in likeness and image with Jesus Christ. Right. So, um, he was the, the most ideal image of anyone we could ever follow and try to emulate. And I think that masculinity and being a man is, is, is being faithful to him and, and following his rules. And then everything else falls into place. You know, he teaches you how to, how to treat other people. Right. And that's about being a man. Right. Being a man is not about like having big muscles and, and imposing your will on others. It's about it's about loving, loving people and loving them well and seeing what's good in them. And I think that that's kind of where it starts for me, um, much like you. 
Uh, earlier in my life, manhood would have been like, I've got a crazy good right hook and you don't want to meet me in a dark alley, right? <laughs> or something like that. And I just realized that that is, that was never the way to live. And uh, I had it all crooked because I had my own insecurities. So being a man is being a follower of Jesus. It's good, man. It's good. Uh, I feel like sometimes you could just like stop right there and you're like, you got everything you need to hear today. Take that and yep. run with it. Okay. No so, we all have a past. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we all have some some sort of history. You alluded to a little bit of that. So, um, and, and I loved, and we'll, we'll probably dig into some point, this idea of insecurity, because I think it's so important to address, especially as men today. Uh, but was there this um, pivotal moment for you where you started to realize that, that there was a distortion around how you were living as a man? Um, or was it just a, more of a gradual process for you? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, for me, it, it, it came in stages, right? So I had this wonderful upbringing, wonderful parents, older brother, you know, younger sister, uh, middle class, never really had a want or need for anything. Both my parents were entrepreneurs. Uh, they, I always say they were entrepreneurs before it was cool to be an entrepreneur <laughs> like it is today. Um, but uh, they were small business entrepreneurs, right? So mm. the ups and downs of family business, like lived through that, went to college, got a degree, but when I was in college, my parents got divorced. So like the Brady Bunch broke up, right? And that was a really big pivotal moment for me. That kind of got me crooked because what I thought life to be and success to be, which was me just living this perfect life, going to school, getting into the family business, and then like riding off into the sunset and everything works out. It just didn't work out. When I was 19 years old, my parents got divorced. And, you know, you're a young adult in college trying to figure out where you fit, where you belong you know, the introduction of, you know, alcohol and other things like that, you know, got me crooked from time to time. Um, but, you know, as, as I continued on, I mean, met my wife um, in college and we've been together since 1998. Um, and uh, we just kind of walked, you know, did everything you're supposed to do. You know, you got engaged, got married at 25, pregnant by 26, kid came out at 27, my oldest daughter. And, um, you know, it was this survival mode. I was, she was staying home. I was a provider and I just was kind of hollow inside if I, if I'm being honest. Right. I mean, I was just kind of like, I was punching the ticket. I was doing what I thought being a man was providing. Right. But I was kind of emotionally void in a lot of things because I was stressed about money. I was stressed about what I could provide. I was stressed about climbing the corporate ladder, balancing my time, um, between my family, my business life, you know, your college buddies that, you know, maybe aren't at the same path that you're on and they want to hang out and do all these things. And I was just super conflicted. And, and I lived in that kind of world for probably five years, I think, just trying to keep my head above water. Mm. And, um, and then my wife kind of, you know, we've always known Jesus. We, we both grew up in, in a church, but having a personal relationship with Jesus was very different. Mm. And um, she started taking a walk in her early thirties, much closer to, to, to Jesus. And I was kind of in the background watching it all happen. And, and kind of the snap for me was when I realized that my wife was not only the spiritual leader of my household with our kids and in our house, but was the leader of our house. Cause I just allowed her, not that there's anything wrong with us co-leading, but I was just not where I was supposed to be. So, you know, God was speaking to me and saying like, Jay, you got to step up. Like, it's just time to step up. It's time to step up and follow me, mm. you know? And, um, and so I started that path, you know, probably really aggressively eight or nine years ago. Wow. And uh, that, that's kind of how that all worked out. Wow. Okay. There was a lot there. So, so <laughs> something, something that I uh, I'm interested in, um, to hear a little bit about. So uh, my parents divorced when I was six. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and um, my dad, you know, in, in the ways that he could, did the best that he could um, from that point forward, weekend father for, for a lot of the time. Uh, I would say that for me, when because my parents divorced when I was so young, I missed a lot of the formational identity and opportunity that comes as the result of, you know, young boy mowing the lawn with his dad yep. and, you know, fixing around the house. And I got some of that, but it was just distant enough that it made it a little bit more difficult, which then meant I got an overemphasis, God bless her, from my mom, who was very much a woman's woman, very compassionate, very empathetic, mm-hmm. very loving and nurturing. And I mean, without my mom, I wouldn't be here today, but, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't all for my good. Um, you had, in a sense, quite a different experience because so much of your life was formed, but you said something to the effect of like everything that you thought life to be kind of blew up. And so mm-hmm. how did that affect you as a 19 year old, uh, in the ways that you saw life and being a young man and mm-hmm. being a husband one day, like how, how did you, how did you take that? Yeah, it's interesting. It was it was very much a fight or flight type of situation. Mm. And and I say that because for me at the time, I had idolized both my mother and my father, and they're both mm. wonderful people. And one of the reasons that I made it out of that in my own kind of form of self-destruction when I was in that moment was both of my parents were very respectful of each other and very much rooting for the other one right? Like when my mom moved out of the house, my father bought her all the furniture in her new home. And like, there was just a respect. He he said to me one day, he said, Jason, your mom and I may not be together anymore. He's like, but she's still the mother to my children and still the first love of my entire life. And I'm not going to allow her and allow you to see her struggle when she doesn't deserve that, you know? So um, that was pretty cool to go through that process. And, and, and conversely, my mother said very similar things. And um, although I'm sure that they did not agree about a lot of things behind closed doors, they still parented. Yeah. So that really helped out through that. But mm. when I say fight or flight, for me, I was so obsessed with success because I saw my parents succeed. Mm-hmm. So for me, it became a well, now I'm not going into the family business, right? So that means I have to have a whole new plan. And as a 19-year-old, you know, that you're still going to college and going to business school, I'm thinking, okay, well, now I got to figure this out, right? So so for me, it became laser focus on trying to figure out my next steps, right? Sure. And and I, you know, and you put this in college, you know, I'm in a frat and like all these things, right? You're just trying to, you're dealing with all these issues separately. And it just kind of manifested over, over probably the next five years of fight or flight. And I would fight for some things and I would ignore other things. And it was just kind of like an up and down, up and down thing. My, my image professionally was always probably pretty good, but what was mm-hmm. going on in my head outside of work was a whole bunch of jumbled mess and insecurities. So why do you think that it was easy or easy or, or easier for you to continue to excel and keep up this image professionally, mm-hmm. but personally it was so damaging and, and so much more of a struggle? Because I thought that if I tried to dig into the stuff that I didn't like, it would affect the other stuff. Right. I was just, I was like compartmentalizing, which I think a lot of men do, 
right? They just kind of compartmentalize the things in their life. Like this is what I'm supposed to do. And this is how I'm supposed to do this. You know, at home, maybe I'm a mess or, you know, I'm not being the man I'm supposed to be, but like, I'm going to compartmentalize that here when I go do this and I go to a family function or whatever. So I think for me, it was just compartmentalization. And I just figured out how to be really good at each, each one of those things on the outside. And then it just took, you know, years of me breaking down and not being the man that I knew in my heart I should be Mm. that kind of drove me to really making some big changes. And, and, and along during that season of life specifically were there, did you have a community of guys around you? Was there a group of friends that was around you? And, you know, if so, I see you nodding your head, like how, how did they, help you or hinder you as you navigated that season of life prior to really kind of getting it, you know, once you were married. Right. Um, so I had, you know, I've always been fortunate to have really good friends. Right. And I think a a lot of my friends were similar to me in the sense where, you know, from an age standpoint, right. They're all just kind of, they were in that ascending stage, right. You know, ascending in business, ascending in their family life, right. You know, their more responsibilities are coming. So I think we were, I had a great group of friends. I still have a great group of friends that, that I was able to emote to and, and, and talk with. But if I'm being honest, I didn't have anybody that I think had it figured out that mm-hmm. I could emulate. Right. So I didn't have that mentor. Right. I had a lot of people that cared about me. Um, and, and that's no, knock on who was around me at the time. But I think guys like you and I have learned over time, right. That like, you have to have somebody that's mentoring you. You have to be somebody that's like next to you going through the same thing. And then somebody you're mentoring, right. Because you get to see it more in a 360 review. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, one of the things that was so interesting was, um, I, I always wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. I always wanted to be the one that was the farthest ahead of the curve. I mean, at least from all of my group of friends that I was really close to, I was the one that kind of hit quote unquote success first. Mm -hmm. I was probably the one that, you know, made six figures first. Um, I was also the one that um, saw it all blow up first too. So, you know, so not all the first were good, but I, I used to think that like that made me feel really good. There was so much pride in that. Um, I, I, I loved like some of those guys I still hang around with today. Unbelievable guys. Like they would die for me, do anything for me. Um, but that environment, um, as the result of what I did, it failed me in the sense of there, there was really nobody. And because I was distant from my dad for a long period of time, um, during that kind of formational season of life, I didn't have that either. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting how, you know, we, we often surround ourselves with like-minded people, with people, mm-hmm. people of similar shape, just because obviously those are the people that are the most fun to hang around with and we, we get along and, you know, mm-hmm. everything's good. But then when the shit hits the fan, yep. we don't really have anywhere to go because everyone's figuring it out together. Yep. Agreed. And so <clears throat> where, like, at what point do you start to see that you need somebody smarter than you around you to kind of start helping drag you up to the next level? Yeah. So I, I think the, the thing that was probably missing the most in, in my life at that time was a strong Christian man that, mm. that I could, that, that could come alongside me and I could try to emulate and not copycat, but just mm. see and be led by somebody that's farther along in the walk than I was. Yeah. And then, so as, as I continued to, 
um, deep in my relationships with folks in my, in my church circle, um, I, I was able to start meeting people um, that maybe professionally were not anywhere near close to what I was doing, but spiritually and in the whole of who they were as a person was much farther along than me. And I was able to start surrounding myself with people like that. And, and that continued to manifest into better and better relationships. And then me getting more comfortable with just failure or my shortcomings, being able to be open with that, and then reaching out to people that I maybe didn't know, but liked what they were saying or heard that they were good people to meet and would just put myself out there and say, Hey, like, I've heard great things about you. I'd love to meet you. Can I take you to coffee? Can I buy you lunch? I want to learn more about you and, you know, just kind of, kind of go from there. And I've done that uh, with a few different people. And that opened up a whole nother world of Christian business professionals mm. that, that I surround myself with. I, I did some masterminding with and, and stuff like that. And they're, now they're two of the closest friends that I have. So um, that's kind of how it, how it worked out. Mm. Okay. So I, I, I find that so many guys really struggle to take that, I'll call it a step of vulnerability, right? Like just to blindly reach out to somebody, Hey, you look successful. I'm interested in getting to know you. So, um, or Hey, I'm struggling with something and you look like somebody that's got this area figured out. So if somebody's listening and they are struggling um mm-hmm. and and they don't know how to take that first step what are kind of some practical things that worked for you and or you would recommend to people today uh, to help them take that first step empathy and flattery i think those are two things that are really important i think about the cold outreach i made to two specific men um i just i just basically said hey um I, I feel that you may be able to help me. I'm struggling with a few things. I don't have it all figured out. I love, and I, I would do some research. I said, I love how you approach this part of your life, this part of your life and that part of your life. And you just seem like a guy that I should surround myself with. So although this is awkward and I kind of like, you know, call it right out, even though this is awkward and I'm a, I'm a dude asking another dude to lunch, like, <laughs> would you be willing to do that? And, you know, empathy and flattery work hum- humbled myself immediately. Mm. So I, I put myself in a submissive state, which is hard for men to do, by the way. Yeah. Right. Very that hard word, to do. That, that's a bad word. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. People think that's a bad word, but it's like, ultimately, like, don't we, don't we submit and surrender to God if we're Christian men? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? So we, we hold so tight onto submission and surrendering, but that's exactly what we need to do to unlock mm. everything that we need. Right. So humility and flattery, right? I mean, who doesn't like to be flattered? Like I, I tell my wife, like, you know, I, I had an old lady, like stop me on the street, like a couple of weeks ago. She's like, you're such a handsome man. I was like, I will take a compliment from a 90 year old or a, a five-year-old. It doesn't matter. Flattery works, right? It's great. You know? So, so yeah, humility, empathy, flattery. Those are, those are some practical steps. And, and, and in some of those instances that sounds like, I mean, it was very cold. Like, so was that somebody that you just happened to see in passing or you had heard of from somebody else, somebody Instagram influencer. Like, I I don't know, like what was that? Yeah. So, so it was on LinkedIn. So one, one specific one, his name is Michael McGreevy. He's a, he's a leadership coach, wonderful guy. Um, I had seen a few of his posts. He happens to live in in the region that I live in, Mm. but I did not know him at all. Had never met him. And he had posted a couple things and 
you know, a few people that I knew had liked the post. So that's why the algorithm of LinkedIn served it to me. And, yeah. and then I started like liking what he was posting. And, and then I just reached out. Um, one post just kind of hit me and I was like, you know what, this is the time. This is the time to reach out to this guy. The post spoke to me. I'm going to do that. Right. It's, it's funny. It's actually how you and I met, right? Like I came across one of your posts. I posted on it. You're like, Hey dude, thanks for posting. It's like, I post a couple more times. You're like, Hey, like, all right. I kind of like what this guy's saying. I kind of like what that guy's saying. And then all of a sudden we're here talking out a podcast. So it's just about engagement and, and just being open mm. to what, open to not knowing what the future holds and not being able to control it, but just taking that leap. Yeah. I, I, I think that's so good. I think that's so wise. I also empathize with all the guys that are listening and thinking right now, like, hell no, right. am I ever yep. going to do that? But I mean, yep. that, that for me, I mean, that was, <clears throat> I was at a point in my business in early 2013 where I was, I was buried. Like I, I'd, I'd hit a good stride, things were going well. And then all of a sudden I just, I lost mm -hmm. a bunch of revenue, a few different things happened. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go bankrupt again or something. And I very similarly engaged with somebody and I'm like, you're way more successful than me. I just, I, I wanna go grab lunch, buy you lunch, get to know you. Yeah. And I mean, it was incredible uh, what that conversation created for me professionally and personally, he ended up becoming a great friend and mentor for years. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think that those steps are, are so important. And what's so interesting is I think about the narrative for men today, which is like, you know, be gritty and go take the risks and, mm -hmm. you know, go for it and do whatever it takes. And it's like, and humble yourself enough to reach out to some stranger to get some guidance. Like, well, I'm not going to do that. It's like, wait a minute, you're on the mountaintop talking about how you're going to slay every dragon in the world. You're going to mm -hmm. dominate the marketplace. You're going to be the most prolific, whatever profession you're in, but you're not willing to just be humble enough to reach out to somebody and say that you're impressed by them and want to learn from them. Like you have problems. Yeah. It's true. And, and I used to, I used to probably think that way. I used to really struggle to be happy for other people and their success mm. because it would somehow attack my own ego that their success means that I couldn't succeed. Like right. somehow it was taken from me and it was given to them, even though that wasn't the case. And this is a perfect example of, of again, it, and this is not like, Jason Pearl is the greatest guy in the world. I've had to do some really deep work and I have a ton of deep work to do. Right. But you and I, as you kind of introduced me, like we're very similar in business and what we do, we both do consulting for businesses. We both do coaching. Um, you seem to be a super successful guy. Five years ago, I probably would have never reached out to you or even commented because I'd be like, Oh, that dude's my competition. But it's like, no, like there's, this is, this is great. Like we're on a call now talking about, Hey, if you want to be successful, you, you actually may need to rewire your brain because it's not what you think it is. It's not yeah. only one person can win. Everyone can win. Yep. And that's something I say all the time on my own podcast. Like everyone can win, but success is a choice. So if you're choosing your success to be at the top of the mountain and be lonely at the top of the mountain, because that's where all the money goes and you, you could be Scrooge McDuck with all your coins. Like that's a really, really sad place to be. Right. Yeah. But if you surround yourself with with people that want to build you up and really want to root for you to win and you genuinely root for them to win, you will go 
and find a whole nother level that you had never had an idea was actually there. Yeah. That's so good. <clears throat> you know, there's this, um, there's this group of guys, a couple of them I follow on Instagram, just made me think about this. Uh, so, uh, one of the guys, his name is Cole Hatter. Uh, he's a real estate investor. Uh, he's local in my area here in Southern California. He's got a buddy named Dan Fleischman who, uh, real estate investments. He does, uh, baseball cards and collectibles, mm -hmm. uh, crypto, like a bunch of things. It's very, very successful. And then they're connected to a few other guys uh, in that same regard. And, I bring them up because what I love is, is these guys are all in their own businesses. They do have some hands in each other's businesses from what it looks like. I don't, I don't know them personally, but they're all constantly lifting each other up. They are masterminding together. When, when uh, one hosts a conference, the others come and speak with them. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, it's just awesome to watch like, the party together, you know, not like the actual party of like, let's go drink and smoke and whatever though. Maybe they're doing that too, but like they're, they're all celebrating each other's sex success. They're participating in each other's success. Like it, that's what I want. Like I, I, you know, God, my family. And then I want this community of people that we are all, you know, in this together. Like I, I, yeah. I'd, I'd be glad to be the successful one and bring people up with me, but I just want to be surrounded by a whole bunch mm -hmm. of people that are doing that too. It just sounds so much more fun. Uh, it's mm -hmm. more uplifting. It's more energizing. And so when people isolate themselves with the intent to say like, I don't, I don't want to let anybody else cloud my success. I'm thinking to myself, like, you're missing out on such opportunity totally. out there. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where when you surround yourself with those people that are like-minded, that are either more successful or same, when you actually get deep with them, you may find that maybe they're, they're great at, they're, they're killing it in one area, but maybe their spiritual life is struggling a little bit. And maybe mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to emulate what they're doing in a business standpoint, but maybe you can help lift them up in that area because no one's perfect. We all kind of have these levels at different times of how, how things work. No one's perfect. And no one's never, no one is ever operating at a 10 out of 10 in every area of their life. A hundred percent of the time. It's just, it's just not, it's not, it's not real. Right. Yeah. And that's what I think you know, people, people have said to me, because I have my own podcast, like you, they're like, wow, like you, you seem really important. Like I see pictures online with you <laughs> with a, with a microphone in your mouth or like, you know, like, is you're wearing, you're like your, your branded be authentic stuff. Right. Like I have some branded clothes too. And they're like, wow, you know, got your own like thing going Wow, you must be killing it. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm very proud of what I'm doing, but I'm a mm -hmm. human being that fails every day Yeah. in being, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, being okay with starting to admit your failures or your shortcomings unlocks a whole nother level of, of where you can go because you right. are no longer so quite like clenching and holding on to being perfect because because yep. no one is right and social media does that right we all have social i mean i'm on linkedin's my platform of choice normally uh, i have a personal instagram and, and twitter and all that type of stuff too but it's like everybody lives the highlight reel we get yeah. it like you know but like you have to be okay admitting failures or just saying hey i screwed that up i'm sorry i made a mistake you know what's so interesting that you say that too is like um <clears throat> And, and this goes for everybody, but this is like the guy thing more than even anything is, you know, everybody puts their best foot forward, particularly, you know, on, on social media, because it's kind of like the public domain that we all have right. to, to showcase for one another. 
And so when I do that, and I try to be really careful about that, like even when earlier you said to me, you know, you seem like a really successful guy. I'm like, like, you know, I, I, I'm really happy with my life, but man, like on a scale of one to a hundred, I'm at like three, you know, like a long way to go. Um, (laughs) So, but you know, I'll put that out there and and people enjoy seeing that stuff and they'll be happy for me and you get the click like clicks and whatever. But I am very open and transparent about my struggles too. Mm -hmm. And when I share those, the engagement is on a whole nother level which should go to show people, again, this is kind of back to that same idea of humility. It's like, I want people, like as a coach, I have a lot to risk by telling somebody that like, I have anxiety, you know, it's like, right. I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to trust that guy. But like when I open up like that, people engage because they can relate and they realize that, oh, I've seen you like this in this high, high manner. But now I also see that you struggle like me. It makes you so much more relatable. It opens up those conversations. I'm like, why? We don't need to all just go out and, and, and and create a pity party. But at the same time, if we were just honest about the roller coaster, I think we would create such a, a more relatable opportunity for people to engage with us, to build friendships, relationships, business opportunities. Like they would just come so much easier. Totally. Yeah. We don't want to wallow in our, in our mistakes or failures, right? You just like admit them, you say you're sorry, or you you try to fix what you messed up and you learn from it and then you go, right? Like you just, you don't stay there and you also don't stay in your success because you know, if you're patting your back, if you're patting yourself on the back all the time, like you're not going to be looking forward and succeeding in the future. Right. So it's like, you can't ever just stay where you're at. I mean, actually biblically, it says it in the Bible, right? It's like, God loves you too much to keep you the same way that you are today. No matter if you're, you know, it's your first day having a relationship with him or you've been following him your entire life. Like he loves you too much to, to keep you exactly the way you are. So he's going to try to change you. He's going to try to press you into being more and more like him. And yeah. it's never going to be attainable, but y- you can never stay in the same spot. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I didn't not want to touch on this. And this was one of the, a word you used very early on. Uh, you used the word insecurity. Sure. And so here is another a no-no uh, in manhood world, right? right? Like w- we fear that so much. So I, I, I just, I kind of want to hear from you. So y- you've been on this journey for a long period of time. And mm-hmm. I think it would be easy for us all to talk about the insecurities we used to deal with. Um, but yeah. I'm sure there's still, there's still some presence. And so sure. as you think about your life today, like you're, you're walking this path with Jesus, which is far better today than you were then you're on this path with your wife, far better today now than you are then as a father, mm-hmm. far better today than you were then as a coach and consultant. Right. But where do you live? And, I, and I'm not even asking you to necessarily open up the kimono as much as just to say, like, you know, are you dealing with those insecurities, insecurities today? And if so, like, how, how do you deal with them? Because again, I think that's another practical area that people, men specifically, really have a hard time addressing. Sure. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be super open. So number one, insecurity is like, uh, you know, when you do what we do, like five years ago, I started my own consulting firm, right? My, mm-hmm. Being a coaching consultant. Um, I, I started it with, um, on a whim. Um, and I had no clients, no parachute, had debt. Um, and had very little, little savings to kind of bridge me from where we were. I said no to an almost $200,000 a year job, um, about a week after I started, uh, my consulting firm. And I just really felt the Lord was pushing me to just do this because it wasn't just about 
helping other businesses make money. It was, it was a lifestyle choice that I was trying mm. to make. I, I knew I wanted to invest more in my, my, my marriage and my, in, in, you know, as a husband and, you know, being a father to my kids, but, and I just needed space. I mean, I was, a I was obsessed with making other people successful and that obsession hurt me and it hurt my family. Right. So when, when I switched this and it went over and, and, you know, now fast forward five years, I mean, every year I've grown my business and, and that's great. And I'm, I'm super blessed for all of that. The insecurity is like, when is the other shoe going to drop? Right. Like <laughs> when, you know, it's like, like, am I really as good as I think I am? And I, I I've been proving for five years or when is the other shoe going to drop? So that that's number one. Yeah. insecurity. And I think a lot of business people can relate to that because uh -oh. sometimes success seems like almost like a fantasy. It's like, do yeah. I really get to do this every day? It's like, do I get to like do this podcast in the middle of the day, you know, in my house, you know, right. and you drive my kids to school every day and work remotely and all this stuff. So you, you wonder where the other shoe is going to drop. So there's the, there's insecurity. Number one, insecurity. Number two is like, um, for me, I've always thought I had like this, there, there's a switch in my mind where it's like, you start having success and you just put, you want to put your foot on the gas and you, mm. I, I'm worried about becoming the person I used to be. Right. Mm. Because mm. once you start having success and you start seeing it, you connect with other people that success, you could be like, well, I could go do this and I could go do that. And I could mm. go make this money and go make that money. So it's like, that's a second part of the insecurity, how I stay grounded, which is the other question that you said from those two insecurities I just yeah. shared behind me is a scripture and it's John 15, specifically John 15, five through eight, but my life versus John 15, one through 12. And it's the vine and the branches where Jesus says, remain in me and remain in my word, right? You know, if you don't remain in me, you don't remain in my word, you're like the branches that fall off, right? And get thrown into the fire. But if you remain in me and remain in my word, I'll give you whatever you want to your, to, as long as it's to my father's glory, right? Mm. So John 15, one through 12 is what I pray on every day, wow. every single day in some way, shape or form, I read that verse or I sit in my office and I look at that and I thank God for everything he's blessed me with. And I ask him to give me opportunities to glorify him every single day. And if you want to challenge yourself as a Christian man, ask God to put you out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And he, if he believes you're up for it, he will, and it'll rock your world. It'll rock your world. And I have been doing that because that's how I keep my insecurities and I keep myself grounded in Christ. Cause if I'm not grounded in him, I may as well be like one of those branches that gets thrown in the fire. Cause I'm going to greed's going to take over me gluttony, like whatever it is, it's going to take me over because that's the way of the world. That's what we live in today. Yeah. And the devil's real. And he's going to come try to like, you know, get me off my, get me off my rocker of praising Jesus. And it's the only way I stay, I stay sane. Yeah, man, that's so good. It's so fascinating that uh, that that you shared. First of all, both of those insecurities, boy, do I relate. Um, e even the application of abiding in Christ, and you know, and really living our life to His glory. And so, uh, Wednesday mornings, uh, I meet with a group of about twelve to fifteen men uh, mm -hmm. uh, from my church. Uh, for just men's study. So uh, right now we're going through a book by Tim Keller on prayer. Uh, but um, this morning, one of the final things in there, and I just want to read it because it was just so, it weighed so heavy on my heart. It was this question and it, of reflection. And it says, am I doing what I do for God's glory and the good of others? Or am I being driven by fears, need for approval, love of comfort and ease, need for control, hunger for acclaim and power, or the fear of other people. And it was like, 
I read that and we, we prayed right after that. And, and I just started praying, just asking for forgiveness of God because my life is often desiring to live for the glory of God in tension with the desire to fulfill my desires and dreams, to live, to, to, to build an audience and an empire, even though, you know, the empire will be to the benefit of my family and friends. It's like, there's just this constant tension. And so I think that, you know, it's just, it's that necessity. And I love you referencing scripture like that, because for us as Christians, which not everybody that's listening to the podcast sure. is, but I think it's so important to, to remind us that like we have to stay grounded. And that is the only solid ground that there is in this world. There's nothing else mm-hmm. that is as solid as the word of God. Staying grounded, we have a much better chance, right? It's not fail proof, right. uh, but we have such right. a better chance of living to the glory of God and not succumbing to greed, success, fear, you know, so many other things. So man, what, what a word there. Yeah. Um, And it's, if I could tell you one more anecdotal little story. So, um, so I'd been praying this for a while, um, you know, just about, you know, probably about nine months or so now praying for, you know, just God to put me out of my comfort zone and, and, and help me give me, give me opportunities to glorify you. And mm. so I got a call from the pastor of my church, um, nine months ago. And he said, Hey, Jason, um, we'd like you to, we'd like you to speak at our, um, at our student ministry retreat. There's going to be a retreat going in the middle of the woods and it was going to be with middle school and high school students. We'd love you to speak. I'm like, okay. So I, my wife and I, my wife, uh, vocationally works at uh, our church. Um, she's in charge of birth through high school for student ministry and all that type of stuff. Wow. And this, and so she's, she's very involved in church and, you know, I'm just a lay person, but I, on Wednesday nights, we, we host a, um, a high school ministry. So I, I deliver messages. I preach probably once or twice a month there, you know, 15 minute messages here and there. So my pastor said, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. Like, we'd like you to speak. I'm like, okay, great. You know, let me know what you want me to speak on. Or if you want me to put it together, I could put a 15, 20 minute message together. He said, no, Jason, I, I, we want you to, we want you to speak the whole weekend. It was Friday through Sunday. And he's like, we want you to be the lead communicator the entire weekend to over 200 kids. And then I was like, well, okay. I, I said yes before I even knew what it was. Right. Cause you know, for me, like, it was like, you know, when Jesus asks you something, my yes is on the table, but then I was like, well, wait a minute. I, I just said, yes, I can't back out. But yeah. so I preached five times over the weekend, Friday night, twice on Saturday and once on Sunday. And on Saturday night, uh, if you've ever been to like a youth retreat, like there's normally like kind of like an ask, like if you, if you've never, you know, committed yourself to Jesus, if you're, if you're interested now do it. And, and it, the interesting part about this is I've got two daughters. I've got a 15 year old and a 10 year old. So my 10 year old is in fifth grade, middle school is middle school ministry is fifth grade through eighth grade. And my daughter is in, is, is now a uh, freshman in high school, ninth grade. And my wife is in charge of, of one of the campuses of our church. So my wife, my entire immediate family, my wife and my two kids are at this event and I am preaching on, on the stage to over 230 people Friday night, twice on Saturday and Sunday. And it was like an out of body experience. Like I, mm-hmm. I prepared a lot cause that's what I do. But then like God just spoke through me and it's almost like I blacked out. I felt like, and on Saturday night, 31 kids gave their life to Christ. Wow. And it rocked me to my core because it wasn't Jason Pearl and his charisma and the way he speaks that did it. It was what God put on my heart to share. 
and, and since then I have had a battle of like, you know, like praying about like, God, is this, do I need to do more of this? Like, where do you want me to be? Like, and my wife said to me after that weekend, she said, you know, Jason, she goes, you better buckle up because when God uses you the way he just used you, he's going to ask more of you Hmm. and you need to be prepared to answer, you know? And I've really been thinking about that because to your point, it's like, you know, you're, you're trying to build it for the benefit of like God's glory, but then they're like your family and your friends. And it's like, you kind of go through that battle where it's like, you know, if he asks you something like it may, it may change in, a, in an instant. And then maybe, right. you know, all the money you make may, may have to lessen a little bit if you want to abide in him. And so it's just kind of been like a crazy trip I've been on since like, wow. it was a, it was a Halloween weekend. And I've been like, just thinking about that and praying about that ever since. Wow. Well, yeah. I'll be praying for you for that. I'm going to go ahead and continue to not ask God for that because <laughs> I want a break. <laughs> After 10 years of pastoral ministry, I needed a break. Yep. Uh, but no, 100%. that's so amazing. And I, and I think, you know, it, it, it's just this, it's, it's this common thread that I hear, Jason, that you have shared, which demonstrates a lot of your character, which I think it's something that whether you are a faithful servant of Christ or not. I think that one thing that has continued to run through our discussion today, and and I really want to land here because I think it's just so good and clear for for you guys out there, you ladies out there, definitely, or the nudge to your husband, um, the, the willingness to humble yourself enough to be open to what's in front of you. Clearly, there are boundaries there. There's wisdom to be exercised and outside counsel. But when you talked about, right, the humility to just put yourself out there and invite somebody into a conversation to help you grow. When, when you talked about, you know, the, the first yes, no matter what God may ask of you and, and, and how that has stirred your heart. I think that is something that we must, we must be better about as individuals, um, you know, in, in the communities that we are in. I mean, we just have such opportunity, but too often we're so closed off. And I get that there's fear there, there's pride there, there are so many things there. But when we are humble enough to just open our minds to what's possible, I really do believe that that that's where our dreams are made. And it's just so sad to see sometimes that doesn't happen. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, that was super encouraging to me. Yeah, great. And you know, it's the one last thing I will say before, because I know we want to land this plane, but when you bring this back, if there's an audience that's listening from a business standpoint, right? uh, You know, everybody's trying to succeed in something or they're trying to lead others to succeed. And ultimately throughout this journey that I've been on, I was able to put some words around um, how, people can lead in a more effective way. And I call it head, heart, and house. Mm. First thing you have to do is you have to understand what's going on in your head, how you're made up, what is in your heart, what lights you on fire, what you're passionate about, and what's going on in your home. Because people oftentimes for business purposes, they think about their head and their heart, but they're not considering their home. And the home is the thing that can make your decision-making more erratic. It can take your character and put it off kilter because if there's something stressful happening in your home, it changes everything. So as an individual, if you're listening and if you haven't gone through and audited in yourself, what's going on in your head, what's going on, what's stirring in your heart and what's happening in your home. If you go and sit and do that, you're going to find where, where the demons are in your life. 
right? Whether it be professionally or personally. And then when you can start shining a light in those areas, both professionally and personally, that are affecting your performance as a father, as a husband, as a mother, as a wife, as a business person, as an employee, it doesn't matter. But if you start shining lights internally first, everything you do externally is going to be exponentially better. And I think that's something that we all need to think about and do. And just because you and I maybe have already done this, it doesn't mean you don't continue to do that. You still need that flashlight. You still need to shine the light into those corners. Every damn day, man. Never. It it can never end. There's just no way because it's not that then I get stagnant. It's I regress to a place where I, I want nothing to do with. Yeah, for sure. Jason, man, that was awesome. I'm just, you know, super appreciative of, you know, having no idea, you know, where conversations are going to go and, and, and and to lead down um, a lane like that, I think is so powerful. I think it's, there's just so much opportunity as people are listening to take action. So thanks, man. I appreciate the time, the willingness to connect like this. And uh, I hope that we get to do it more. Yeah, man, me too. I I really appreciate it for everyone listening. I'd be praying for y'all. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, you know, if you want to connect with Jason, if you want to hear more about what he was talking about there with, you know, head, heart and home, or, you know, maybe there's something else in his story that really just struck you. Make sure that you reach out to him. We'll make sure to put his contact information into the show notes as we always do. Feedback for me, you know where to find me. As always, I want to remind you to be you, be happy, be authentic. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.